Good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Guest Thursday, always one of my favorite days of the week because we get to have uh, people on who have been very influential for Christ or people who are walking out their faith and life in such a way that it is making a difference. And I am so excited about our guest today. I've known him for quite a while. Actually, since back in, I think, late 19, like 1999, maybe early 2000s, so almost 20 years, and uh, he is a dear brother, and we used to attend the same church. I think he came, we were part of the same Sunday school class for a while. I was actually on staff at that church for a little while uh, out in Houston, Texas, but um, our guest is uh, into motocross. His sons are into motocross. And he is, uh, if you've been to a Supercross event, uh, which is the, it's like the Super Bowl of motocrossing, he's always there at those events because of his uh, uh, work and what he does. But he also loves the Lord. Uh, He serves Fellowship of Christian Athletes in their motocross division. And I'm real excited. He's not the first time he's been on, by the way. He's been on before but uh, not in this capacity where we're just going to have him for the whole time. And I'm really excited to have Larry Hughes on from uh, Houston, Texas. Larry, welcome back to SWAT Radio. How are you? Oops. Wait. He's not here. I'm looking at Jeremy. I'm just going through thinking he's here. Jeremy, I am so sorry. So Larry Hughes is going to be our guest. Uh, (laughs) He's going to call in here. He told me uh, that he would call. Uh, he just wanted to make sure that we weren't doing it, uh, um, doing it on video. So, man, I just went through that whole thing, Jeremy, and um, thinking that Larry's just going to be there. I just took it for granted. Well, it's March. What can you say, right? We're, we, we, we've flown through. Uh, <laughs> I'm texting Larry now, telling him we're live, and uh, he's not here. Uh, so anyway, let me tell you, I'll tell you a little bit about Larry, uh, and hopefully he will call in soon. Larry is, uh, the full-time regional manager at a company called Stark Future. Stark Future is a, uh, a company that, uh, makes, believe it or not, electronic motorcycles. Did you know there's electric motorcycles just like Tesla's, but they're motor motocross dirt bikes and it is a good looking bike uh it's all electric and boy they got a lot of pickup Uh, if you've ever driven a a tesla you know how fast they can accelerate and so um anyway he is the regional manager for start future uh and um he's like i said he's a full-time motocross trainer he gives lessons and he's also the part-time area director for fca motocross and uh, he's here now. Larry, welcome to SWAT Radio. How are you? Hello. Hello. Doing well. Doing well. Thank you, Doug. How are you? So you missed it. I just gave you this big rolling introduction, and I look <laughs> at Jeremy, and he goes, he's not here. 
And so I'm like, okay. Uh, I, I just took it for granted you were on the phone. Uh, but anyway, I'm glad you are here now. Here I am. That, yeah, you are yeah. now. So um, mm-hmm. anyway, I was just sharing with our listeners, Larry, you, you're no stranger to um, SWAT Radio. You've been on here before. In fact, I think the last time we had you on, you were talking about uh, recovering from a hurricane and flood damage, right? Isn't that the last time you were on? Yeah. Yeah, that would have been uh, Hurricane, uh, gosh, what was that? 2017. Um, I forgot the guy's name. Um, the hurricane that came through. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> I remember the hurricane. Well, how could you forget it? It flooded your house. You had water. Didn't you have yeah. water damage? Um uh, all the way up to like what five six feet in your yeah per, five yeah. feet Hurricane yeah. Harvey that was it Hurricane Harvey five feet of water and the the year before that we had uh, a, a crazy one day rain event here in the Houston area and we had three feet of water in our house and uh, uh, that was 2016 2017 was Harvey and the house was built like in 73 and never had a drop of water in it until those two back to back years and it got. It got washed out. But you know what's amazing about that, to, to come back from that, is that the, the county, Harris County, mm-hmm. ended up buying our house and totally taking care of that whole thing. It was amazing. And they bulldozed it and, uh, and got us some, put us in another house and helped us get into it. And it was, it was uh, not easy to go through all that, but it worked out good. Well, no. In fact, we had you on to talk about working through that and um, yeah. just how – God's providence. In fact, this is a great week for you to be on because we've been talking about God's providence all week with uh, Paul Mm -hmm. and how God protected Mm -hmm. Paul and fulfilled his plan through Paul all the way through. And, you know, you and I were talking, you were actually supposed to be on last week and had something come up. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. uh, having you on this week is actually better because we've been talking about God's providence all week. And Larry, you are a man who has experienced God's providence in so many ways. Uh, The flooding. I want to go back. Can we we go back to that just for a second? Because I think people... People like you can't remember the name of it. You didn't forget the devastation, but I want you to go back well and talk a little bit about after the first flood in '16. I mean, that was pretty devastating, wasn't it? Because your whole house was underwater, right? Yeah, that that one was horrible. Uh, that one was maybe worse, even though it was only three feet of water. The thing about that was was where. And that was about three feet of water, like I said, and it was it was throughout our whole house, and it came in slowly. But the thing that was so bad about that, I'll never forget where I was. I was leaning against the wall, looking out the window as it, the water water comes up so slowly in these floods. It's from Cypress Creek that it overflowed and went through the 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 flood plain, and then eventually got to our neighborhood. It just slowly comes up and. As I'm just watching it, and we have little markers where we're marking it, and we're watching it's coming up about. Uh-huh. Uh, a foot, an hour type, and I'm leaning against the, the, the wall looking out the window, and I just started singing a hymn uh-huh. to God. I just started singing to him, and I, I don't know why or what, but I, I just started singing, and, and then the, that, the bad thing about that, I mean, it's, it's funny, not funny, is that I canceled my flood insurance four years prior to that because of my infinite wisdom. Oh, okay, uh, so wait, wait, so years. so I want people yeah. to kind of go yeah. there for a second. Yeah, you 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 mm-hmm. do what a lot of people do, 
is you think, why am I paying for this? I don't need it. Yep. And then the day that happens, you you and you've been a believer for a long time, Larry. You and I have known each other a mm-hmm. long time, and I know you've walked with the Lord. But still, did you ask why? <laughs> why, Lord? I mean, like, why? Why? Or were you just like just feeling like I made the biggest mistake of my life in doing that? Yeah, that that's how I felt. It was the latter, the biggest mistake. Because here's what I did: is I as that water's coming up, and my wife does not know that I canceled the flood insurance four years prior. I never told her, okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, usually in, in, a, in a great relationship, and we have a fantastic relationship, usually have, we're opposites, right? We're opposites attract. So one's usually an over-insured person. The other one's an under-insured <laughs> person. Yeah. Well, guess which one I am? Mm-hmm. I'm the under-insured. I'm like, we don't need that. I'm going to save that $400 a year, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We don't need that. And so, yeah, I saved, I don't know, a, a, a few hundred, a, a, over $1,000. But, but what I had to do, Doug, is I had to go, when she finally told me, she was, Larry, let's just go get a hotel. Our insurance will cover for it. I had to stop her right there in our tracks and said, Jeanette, mm. I've betrayed you. That's the words I use. I've betrayed you. And she looked at me like, what? Why are you telling me this now? I've betrayed you. I canceled our flood insurance four years ago. Mm. And, it's, and it's not that I, I, I never told her. I never told her. And, and uh, yeah, so it was, it was a bad deal. And, I, you know, I told her in front of my then 16-year-old, 15-year-old son, Ethan, so in case there was a murder, that there'd be a witness, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, we, we've all uh, been there. But, you know, we've all yeah. made those kind of choices, thinking that at the time it was a good choice, but then realizing, man, why did I do that? Why did I do that? And uh, I, yeah. I just, I remember talking to you I, I can't remember if I talked to you after the first one or it was the second one, uh, too. But in one of them, I think it was both. Yeah, yeah. I just, but I remember after the second one, specifically after Harvey, you were really struggling. I, I, I just remember, yeah. even though you were praising God, you knew God was sovereign, you were really yeah. struggling Amen. with. Oh, yeah. With, My struggle was real. Well, yeah. well real because mm-hmm. the reality is you needed. You needed uh, a place to live. You need, and you couldn't live there, right? You you didn't know what what it was. Oh, going. Yeah. And do you spend all this yeah. money and fix it back up, and and then have it flood again because it's already done it twice? And by the way, both yeah. of those events were five hundred year flood events, weren't they? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Correct. I mean, like yep. that that that's just absolutely insane. And so I can remember having a conversation with you about it. And, and you wondering what to do like with the house and just praying through it. And, and I remember trying to encourage you, just pray and, 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 and God's going to help you through this. And you, to your credit, uh, your faith was strong and in the Lord, you were clinging to him, but you never imagined that they were going to buy your property. Did they, the county? I mean, you never, you never no. saw that. Coming. Yeah. No. So what we did, it was after that first flood. I, I bought insurance immediately after that first flight. Yeah. And, uh, and then we rebuilt that house and it was just amazing not to get into all the details, but the amount of the outpouring of, of love that came our way to help us with that was, it just blew us away. It totally blew us away. Mm. And then, then I bought, and then I got the flood insurance. And then a year later, Harvey comes, which was a, and Harvey was a little different because they were forecasting 50 inches of rain and we had time to prepare. 
So we prepared for about four feet of water. We thought, okay, we had three feet of water during the tax day flood. Well, let's let's go ahead and prep for four feet, get everything upstairs, move the vehicles out, do all this and that. Well, we got five feet. Uh-huh. And it, it uh, was devastating. But again, the, the, the county, I, I want to reemphasize, you hear so many bad stories and horror stories about how the government doesn't, how it mis- mistreats its citizens in, in times of need. They took such care of us. It was amazing. Mm, that's awesome. Well, that's great. Well, I, I that was just such a story of provision that I, I wanted uh, I, I wanted to kind of revisit that with you. Um, Larry, you know, for our listeners, just I always like to kind of start, but that that was just on my mind because we I when I think of you, I think about that in the the water in the house mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But I want to go back in your life uh, for a minute to growing up. Did you grow up in a home that taught you God's word and um, honored God's word, or were, did you grow up in a home that was like just semi-religious? Or what what was your background growing up? Oh, good question. Thanks for bringing that up. But, you know, I did a chapel service this weekend at a motocross track, and that's going to kind of tie it into your question. And uh, I asked the track owner, I, I told the track owner a story. So this track owner invited us to, to come over there and do a uh, an event uh, through Fellowship of Christian Athletes and just a fun event, do some training with riders, have some fun games, not a competitive race event, but just a community event. And then he was going to, he shut down the track at noon to where we could do a chapel service underneath his pavilion. And it was just amazing that he did this because I reminded him, I said, I don't know, Ian, I said, you know, Ian, about seven or eight years ago, as a promoter, I came over here and did a race event. And I asked you, I said, do you mind if I do a chapel service before we start the event that morning? And and your reply was, well, um, yeah, that's okay. I think some people need that. That was his reply. Because I I didn't know him that well then, but I thought that he was – I didn't think he was a believer, and that kind of confirmed it. Mm -hmm. And then six or seven years later, he goes off to Costa Rica. He has a life change event. He's – uh, his faith is in Christ now, and he's calling me saying, can you come over here and do a chapel service? Mm-hmm. And when I mentioned that to him, he said, well, you know, at that point in my life, Larry, I was suffering from a Catholic hangover. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would, and I'd never heard that term before. I don't know if he made that term up or if that's a term that's out there, right? But I was raised uh, Catholic, and we were in a religious family and good people, Um and I still have a sister that's Catholic, and she is a firm believer in Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. But for me, it was a religious experience growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't a, um, uh, a relationship that I had with the living God. And um, so that's that's kind of more what I grew up with. And it wasn't until uh, my early 20s in Cypress Bible Church, and then I was going through a Bible study with uh, with Ed Palmer. Um, uh, well, but uh, Ed was... Uh, he was saying the same. He was given the same gospel message that Steve Wise, a, 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 a Team Honda motocross factory racer that mm-hmm. I looked up to and grew up with, and he had a conversion to Christianity, pretty radical, like an Apostle Paul type of uh, uh, conversion. And I was really intrigued by that. And so Steve, Steve first gave me the presented the gospel to me when I was about twenty, and I moved here, up to Houston. Um, I was hearing that same gospel message at this Bible study, and that's that's when I uh, gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Mm. That's awesome. And then how um, how long after that was it when you really started feeling um, um, discipled? You know, not just trusting, but uh, how, what was your pathway of discipleship after that? 
Mm, well, that's a good question. So just kind of stumbled along for, for you know, it's funny because at first I heard the gospel message and I just wanted to hear more, right? Yeah. And along the way, I was like, why are we continuing to hear the gospel message? I already, I already made that decision. I already know that, right? Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, just these years later, I, I just, whenever I give a message, I always try to incorporate the gospel to it because the gospel message is something that we as believers need to continue to hear and continue to live and continue to to uh, to share, right? Yeah. But that disciple, that discipling was just a lot through, um, really through, the last 15 years or so, and Fellowship of Christian Athletes has a lot to do with that. Uh, when I was asked to come on board as a as a board member, um, that really got me into a closer relationship with discipleship, and uh, it was really through FCA that I've I've grown that part. And it's funny that you say that. So now at FCA, I have what's called the D team. And nobody wants to be on the D team, right? Everybody wants to be on the A team or or maybe the B team. Yeah. But the D team that I have is the disciple team. And it's a it's a bunch of young it's a bunch of seven young adults on our team that I mean they're good riders off the track, but but they're more than that. They they care and and they love and they serve and uh and they share. That's that's what it's all about. Um and we want to bring along the rest of the motocross community um uh, to that relationship with Jesus Christ and discipling them. Now, how long have you been riding motor, motorcycles and in, in the and motocross? Yeah, yeah. So I began riding when I was uh, just a youngster, nine, ten years old, riding little mini bikes and wherever I could, back alleys, fields, and stuff that we did back in the seventies and eighties, and and then uh, started racing um, when I was eleven and turned pro when I was eighteen, mm-hmm. uh, living in the very tip of Texas, down in Brownsville, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was just a, it was a lot. It was really hard to travel. You had to travel quite a distance to find, you know, good competition on a professional level. So I was traveling all over the state of Texas, and finally moved to Houston to pursue my career uh, to kind of solidify that more of, of being a professional motocross racer. And um, so moved to Houston uh, with that idea. And uh, two years later, I was married and selling my dirt bike. <laughs> that happens uh that that happens well so i i think uh i met you when russ and i started riding and ryan my 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 two boys we started riding at a track in houston uh, and i did i i had a little like a a little bitty (laughs) like motorcycle when i was a kid but i didn't really ride i didn't understand the whole uh motocross race but we started racing out at that track, and it was so much fun. And God opened up a door for me to be the chaplain at that track and do a church mm-hmm. service every race. And uh, I still yeah. keep in touch with the track owner out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that uh, that really happened with us riding was realizing that there's so many arenas that we can be messengers for Christ that we don't really take advantage of. Like I, I rode out there for a while before I realized, you know what, they're riding on Sunday and yeah. and we're not really going to church, but man, what a better place to say, hey, can we do a little devotional or can we have a, a message out here? And the track owner, after I approached him, was very open to that, mm-hmm. to do that. And it just ended up being a great ministry. Um, and, and, Kind of FCA, talk a little bit how FCA motocross came into being out there. Did did is that something mm-hmm. that uh, similar happened in that vein 
FCA, I know, has yeah, been involved very. with sports for a long time. But talk a little right. about how FCA motocross got going. Yeah, that's a real good question, um, and thanks for bringing that up. So FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, like you said, is a uh, organization that's been around for 50 years or more now, oh, my, 70 years now, um, 70 years, and, and mainly in campus sports and in club sports. Uh, so you see them in high schools and colleges, and about 20 years ago, they finally branched out into action sports and into motocross, and uh, and, and they, they were a worldwide organization that, that wants to – reach coaches you know the athletes to and through coaches is kind of their whole mantra and how they they approach uh sports and the gospel and so they they uh reached out and found somebody that's uh that's leading the national cause and and then a, a chapter got got uh, organized here in, in texas and the director reached out to me and saw that i was a christian and then how involved i was in the sport and my connections and asked if i would come on his board and i did and the next thing you know, he was moving, uh, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm going to move out of Houston, but I don't want to do that unless you will come on staff with us. And I said, well, what does that mean, come on staff? He said, well, we want you to be, we want you to, to raise support, and we want you to do this as a full-time job. And I was like, oh, I, was like, I don't know if I could do that. And I said, would you take me part-time? I said, yep, we'll do it part-time. So that's, that was the, the way I came on board. So, And what, what's so good about the way I do it, I work in the motorcycle industry already, so it's a hat that I already wear. And so going along with – this goes along with what I do. So I do some training on the side. I don't do as much training as I used to. But that's also a way to reach riders and to be at the track and cultivate relationships. And, and so that's what we do at FCA. We, we do different events, like we did this event at the track I was telling you about at the beginning of the call in San Antonio this past, week, past weekend. And, you know, the sport is called Motocross. Well, he called this event Moto Christ. Mm-hmm. And it was an event where people would just come – Let's do some fun games together. We did what? What are some of the games that we did? We did a uh, we did a slow race, Doug. You could have won that. I, I could have no, won a slow race. Fat. Well, you know, Larry, you I always fat. said, you know, in the kingdom, who's last will be first. Yeah. You know, and so oh, my I, goodness. I, I always brought that you out. Said that? I always said that. You when, said that when I was no, I always said oh. that. I I stole it like from Jesus, like he <laughs> obviously said it, there but I'm go. just saying I used it in the context of racing yes. because, uh, yes. I, I was always last, but <laughs> that's all right. It was fun. So you're ready for this. Are you ready for, I can't believe you set that up. It's like people are going to think, Oh, like Doug set that up when they hear this story. So my message at that event was on that, that verse that, that in Mark that where Jesus talked about the first shall be last, the last shall be first. That was my message, okay? <laughs> the event that we did right before the message, and I didn't even put this together until right before I was going to do the message. I said, wait a second. The, the event that we did, we did a slow race. Mm-hmm. And in a slow race, the object is that the first, the last one to the finish line wins. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's, that, that's what it is. That's what, as I'm giving the riders the rules for this race, so here's how it was an, it was an oval. Okay, it was just an oval. It wasn't on a full motocross track. Yeah. We have a starting line and a stopping line. Once you start, you can't put your foot down. So really, it's a balance drill. You have to have you have to be good to be bad. My dad used to always say. So, so you, you got to go slow enough, go. slow enough that you don't yeah. win, but fast enough that you keep the bike from tipping over, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh. And that was the event that we did right before the message about the first shall be last, the last shall be first. So it's amazing. It's talking about God, providence, and it's uh, it's amazing how much He does that we're not aware of. You know. That is funny. Well, I 
<laughs> yeah, I, 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 we did not set that up, by the way. Hey, Larry, I was talking to them before you came on about Stark Future. Uh, by the way, they, they didn't get their name from Tony Stark out of the Iron Man thing, did they? Because that bike looks like no. an Iron Man bike, man. <laughs> they, it, it's amazing. And I'll tell you, the funniest thing about the whole Stark thing is that I had one of Tony Stark. Let me back up. Robert Downey Jr. owns a venture capital firm, and he invests in in green products and yeah. green mobility products. And it's a he he started this. I forgot what the name of it's called. Green something. I forgot what it is. We started it about five years ago. One of his partners called me and first told me about what's going on with Stark, and he came to work for Stark. And it was not had anything to do with his name or anything, but uh, and he's since gone. And it looked like there was going to be an investment from from Robert Downey Jr.'s venture capital firm into this company, Stark. But it didn't happen, but it almost did. It that was, that it, would have been really anyway. funny to have Iron Man invest in the Stark <laughs> yeah. Industries bike. But yeah. but tell people – but, you know, I didn't even know there was a, such a thing as an electric motorcycle that was fast, that could be fast enough to win a race. It's amazing. Um, and I, I tell people that uh, – this isn't about saving the environment. This is about being able to ride a dirt bike faster than you can a gas bike. And it, the torque is amazing. It's so much, it's lighter. I've been, I've ridden the bike. Our production bikes are just about to come out in about another two or three weeks. We're going to, our production is starting. So there's, I think, 17,000 bikes pre-ordered right now globally. Wow. It's going to be the, the largest launch of any one new motorcycle model ever. Um, and uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. But, the thing with electric, it's just got instant torque and it's um, it's lighter weight. Uh, there's a bunch of technical stuff about it, but in a in a in a nutshell, it's just an easier way to ride a dirt bike faster. And then this is the part I like, Doug. Yeah. Zero, almost zero maintenance. You never clean another air filter in your life. Oh, you that's that right there room. makes it worthwhile. Oh, right? Sold. Right. <laughs> yeah. That was the hardest part to uh, me. Well, are they? Is anybody using? these are prototypes on the supercross series at all is anybody riding anything like that yet not yet no not yet so uh the production bikes are just about to come out there was a company in the u.s this is a, a spanish company uh stark is with swedish uh founders but there is there was a company that came out in 2017 that i went to work for in the u.s out of silicon valley called alta that's who i left parts unlimited for after being with them for 28 years, I went to work for Alta, which was the first electric motocross bike company. They're the ones that broke the ice. It was a fantastic bike. It was a little bit early to market, and they ran out of money. But um, anyway, that but that one, I, I raced that bike six times, and it's faster than anything I've ever ridden. I've had, I've even, had, you know, I was talking about my friend Steve Wise, who was a factory Honda factory rider back in the day, and um, you know, he was paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to race dirt bikes for years. He rode this bike, and he couldn't believe it. He would just blew it. My people that rode it just couldn't believe it. Everybody that I, I let do a test ride or a demo on it, they would just come off the bike with a huge smile. And uh, and why do we ride, right? That's yeah. what we ride for. Well, I know you do. And, you know, Larry, you're so blessed as a believer to be in that industry. Uh, there's a lot of darkness there, isn't there? There's a lot of opportunity to be a light for Christ in there. Well, there is, you know, and it's it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, at SCA has uh, an event that the, the promoters of Supercross, where they race motocross inside stadiums, like whether it's Cowboy Stadium in Dallas or 
Energy here in Houston, uh, or I said Daytona here a couple of weeks ago. So Feld has an agreement with FCA. They let us do an event where they bring us in to the stadium a little bit early. We get to invite about 150 people to come in as guests of FCA. We get to watch the track walk, listen to the chapel service, and then they let us bring in a special guest to talk to these riders uh, or these these uh, fans, basically. Is that is uh, that your VIP experience that you guys do? Yeah. All right. yeah hey, exactly. well, listen. Exactly. Hey, I want you to I want you to come back with that. We got to go for a news break okay. in the half hour, and I want to gotcha. come back and yep. talk about that kind of thing and how people out there listening might could come to a Supercross event and maybe okay. help support something like that. All right. Hey, hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. I have Larry Hughes, full-time regional manager at Start Future. It's an electronic motocross bike uh, and uh, motocross trainer in Houston, Texas, and also FCA uh, for motocross. Highway to Eternity Ministries is dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope. The ministry seeks to serve those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share the encouraging testimonies of lives that have been transformed through God's power and grace. Highway to Eternity Ministry serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175 or visit www.highwaytoeternity.com. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a proud sponsor of SWAT Radio. There's some major delays north of downtown because of a crash on the MLK Parkway, southbound beyond I-95, blocking the left lane. Also, there's emergency vehicles on I-95 northbound there. And there's a crash on I-95 northbound at Butler Boulevard, blocking the left lane. Mostly clear tonight, low 62. Friday, mostly sunny, high 83. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm A.J. sky traced out by the city lights my world from a mile high best seat in the house tonight touch down the cold black top hold on for the sudden stop breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries on a guest Thursday. Today's guest is Larry Hughes from Houston, Texas, the full-time regional manager for Stark Future, which is electronic motocross bikes or motorcycles. And um, also he's the uh, part-time area director for Fellowship of Christian Athletes Motocross. For more, informa- or for more information about that, you can go to fcamx.org. That's fcamx.org. In fact, somebody want to know where they could find out about Stark Future, go to S-T-A-R-K-Future.com. That's S-T-R-K, like Tony Stark, Future, F-U-T-U-R-E.com. And also, if you are in the Texas area, 
you can get Larry. I think he even does some training, right? You still train people to ride? I do. So sometimes on the weekends, a little bit during the week, but uh, I still do that from time to time. I don't advertise it much. I have a group of, uh, I get calls all the time uh, to still to, to do that. And I enjoy doing that a lot. It's, you know, I just kind of give back and uh, I love being able to share the, the love of riding with riders and just help them, uh, especially new riders, just helping them get in good habits from the get-go, you know? Yeah. So if you know uh, anybody out in the Houston, Texas area, or if you are out in that way, just you can go to HoustonMotocrossLessons.com and get in touch with Larry that way. That's Houston Motocross, M-O-T-O-C-R-O-S-S, Lessons.com. Larry, I, I find it interesting that you joined FCA and being a guy who was on that team to help people using, you know, motocross as an outreach there um, in 2016. And that's when the first flood hit and with no warning, right? It just came in and popped you um, without flooding. Then the next year you got the Hurricane Harvey flood, which was awful. Uh, I think uh, you, you, you guys got over four feet of rain in a week that that yeah. storm and uh and uh then after going through all that and i remember it was a very challenging time for for you and your sweet wife um uh then your son ethan who was a really good motocross rider came down or with a diagnosis of leukemia right um mm-hmm. yeah and uh and then right after that, the company you were working with shut down. And so yes. you, you had never been unemployed as long as I'd known you. I mean, you were always working in the motocross industry. And so you were unemployed right after finding out your son got diagnosed with leukemia. What was going through your mind at that time? Because you you've as long as I've known you, you've kind of been a fairly solid guy with your faith. Were you really struggling at all at that point? Did God give you amazing grace to deal with that? Or like what was really practically happening in your household at that time? You know, yeah. So I think when you think of, when you look at somebody going through something like that, you kind of wonder, man, what, what would I be like? Man, what, what, what would be going through my head if I was going through that? How would I deal with that? But when it happened, it was you just you didn't have time to think. Okay, you didn't have time to think. Why me, God? Uh, it was just okay. We got we've got some work to do. You know, we have we've got to kick it in gear. We've got some things to figure out. And um, yeah, was there times where I yeah, there were? It was funny. We were at the dinner table last night. And by the way, uh, Ethan is completely healed of his leukemia and which uh, is amazing. I mean, that's I mean, yes, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, he's he's doing great, but it, we didn't know that, right? I mean, we didn't know. Oh, well, let me back up just a little bit. So you, you outlined that perfectly. Those are exactly the, the way those events happen. So uh, Ethan gets diagnosed with leukemia in October of you know 20, uh, 2018, and then, or excuse me, September 2018, and in October, uh, the business that I'm the company I'm working for, also that first electric bike company goes out of business, right? And Were you so feeling my, a little bit like I, Job here? <laughs> yeah, a little, a little. And But, you know, it's just amazing again uh, what we went through. 
So for the next three months, I stayed unemployed, but it allowed me to help him and my wife in that first three months. That was the the hardest part of his battle with leukemia. That was a, the, the most intense treatment. Uh, he had a stroke during that time, uh, just some other things, and it, it just allowed me to be with them 100%. You know, it just looking back, it was it was it was amazing. And um, so, uh, yeah, so all that was going on at that time, and. I just was, I didn't have time to think. We were we were at the dinner table last night looking back and thinking about it, and uh, Ethan's girlfriend was here, and she, she wasn't in the picture back then. You know, he's 21 now, and uh, so my wife was kind of recounting some of the events, and she's saying, you know, Kylie, I, I never cried during that time. She was talking about herself. Ethan never cried, and then I spoke up and said, yeah, I never cried either, and they just laughed. I was the one crying. You know, I was well. You know, I, well, that was that, that was what I was going to ask. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask yeah. you. How how practically, Larry? I know you didn't have time. You say you didn't have time to think, but surely, as you were going through it, you had to be wondering, God, I don't even know what to do. I don't know how to shepherd. I don't know how. At least, you, I mean, I know you knew the word, but I mean, what practically helped you stay? grounded during that time and not pull away from God or not blame God at all, like as you were going through that? It was so hard. And just right now, Doug, I don't know if you can hear my voice, though, I'm kind of reliving this one moment that I'm going to share with you. So this was in um, December of 2018, and I was going up to do a motocross camp that that up at Freestone, which is about halfway between Houston and Dallas. I was driving early in the morning, about 5.30, so I can get there in time. And I was driving right by – I was by myself. And this is a camp that I had taken Ethan with me like the last five or six years. And Ethan, this was his – he loved going to motocross camps. He loved it. And his dad being a motocross coach and him, you know, him being a little camper and then growing up to being the guy that's, okay, Ethan, do this, uh, go hit this berm, clear this double. I want to show the riders where your breaking points are, where you're standing. You know, he became the, the demonstrator, right? So he became part of the program. And now here I am driving up to going to this, this camp by myself. And I'm driving by Texas Children's Hospital, mm. and, and I'm thinking – and something I failed to mention just a while ago. When he was first diagnosed, they thought he had bone cancer. Mm. That's what the first diagnosis was, mm. which was just horrible, right? Yeah. And I'm not kidding, but a week later when we finally got the blood work and the, the biopsy back and it confirmed leukemia, we were actually celebrating, mm. okay? So it's almost like God prepared us, okay, we're going to prepare him for the worst, but then we're just going to give him leukemia to let them know it's okay. They can go through it. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah, and so because driving, yeah, but, right? but yeah, no, they they weren't really <laughs> celebrating what they were celebrating. It was a better diagnosis than the bone cancer, yeah. right? I mean, that's what you were saying, right? But, I don't know if it's better, but not as bad, right? Yeah, not as bad. So I'm driving. I'm driving up to this. I'm in this van. And I'm by myself, no Ethan with me. I'm going to one of his most favorite places in the world to go to, and I'm going by the hospital where he was diagnosed. And he's back at home, you know, and, and got to go to treatment the next day or something. And I start bawling like a baby, and then I start screaming mm. at the top of my lungs, God, why? Why Ethan? Why him? All he wants to do since he was a 10- or 12-year-old boy is he just wants to grow up to be a dad. That's what he wants to do. That's all he wants to do. You know, and I just I'm screaming, and so I, I I do this for about thirty or forty five minutes driving up I forty five on the way to this track, mm. 
And then I get to the track, and then I get there, and my voice is already hoarse. And I got to do three days of training <laughs> by myself. Three wait, days of wait, training which, by the way, in a motocross track, it, it, yeah. it, it's not easy. You, you're hoarse anyway, no. right? <laughs> so exactly, exactly. And and then this is just so amazing. Then uh, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm greeting all the people that are in this class. And there's a what we call a moto mom. A moto mom is a mom of a motocrosser, moto mom. She's with her seven-year-old that's in the class. And I, I tell them, hey, guys, guys, I'm sorry I'm a little bit hoarse right now. But uh, I just, you know, my, I told him about Ethan and what he's going through. And it, it was kind of emotional on the way up here. Well, she pulls me over to the side after I finished that. And we're getting ready to go on the track to do some training. And she goes, Larry, I just want you to know that when y'all were in ICU, when Ethan, Ethan came to Texas Children's after his stroke, I was one of the nurses mm. in there, wow. and I, I, I didn't want to come to you. I knew it was you, and I knew this was Ethan because we know y'all, but I didn't say anything. I just wanted to care for him because I knew that was the best thing I could do for you, and I just want to tell you, and I just said, I said, can I hug you? You know, and I hear, <laughs> so here I was in this place that, that Ethan wants to be at, and I'm so alone because he's not there, and, it's all, and here's this lady that was with us in the emergency room down in Houston. Mm. It, just, it, it was just amazing to me. That, uh, but God, you know, I, I, I call that a God wink, Larry. I, I call that a yes, God wink, you right? know, where, where uh, God just kind of winks at you and says, I got you. I got you. Yeah. He, it's just like that little breeze, you know, for the Israelites, the breeze always was an indicator. God was with them when they would feel it, you know, the wind and, and stuff. And it's, uh, that's just mm-hmm. the breath, the breath of God on you saying, I'm with you. You're not alone. You know? So that's awesome. It was. It's so well put. So it was. So, I mean, you asked, how did I deal with it? I cried out. I mean, I, I, I let it go. So my wife didn't. My wife just stayed hyper-focused. On, she's a caretaker. That's just the way she's wired, right? right? I'm the one that's always thinking of the future, how we're going to get there, looking at the past, and I'm not in the, in the present as much. She's always in the present. And so she was hyper-focused on that. And then for her... Once Ethan finally got better in diagnosis, she finally had to deal with all that. It finally started coming out, you know. But for me, it was just I was crying out. I, I was just crying out. I, I just let God, you know, almost not not quite like Lieutenant Dane in uh, in Forrest Gump when he was yeah, yeah. going through his hurricane on top and just is this all you got? You call this a storm? <laughs> not not quite that, but you know, uh, not far off of that. Well, and you know, so Ethan. Through his journey, um, I, I know right now he's cancer-free, uh, he got to do mm-hmm. some pretty cool things along that way. Even though he was struggling um, with the diagnosis and the, the treatment and having to work through that and still working through the unknown, right? Because that's, that's probably one of the most, uh, I, I think, troubling things as you go through that is the unknown aspect of is this going to be treated? Is it going to respond to whatever the treatment mm-hmm. is? And and so as you guys, how were you encouraging Ethan? Because you were doing that when you were alone, but when you were with him, how as a dad, how as a, a person of faith, were you shepherding him through that? What, what were you trying to do mm-hmm. with him? You know, Doug, it was almost like he was ministering to us. Mm-hmm. I don't know any other way to say it. I one of the things that he said from the very beginning when he first got diagnosed is he said, Dad, I'm glad this happened to me and not somebody else that can't handle it. Mm. He said that. I go, Ethan, please, okay? <laughs> <laughs> don't, 
Ethan, please, all right. No. And then he said this. He goes, I'm glad this happened. I, no, he goes, I don't know how people can go through events like this without Jesus. Mm. Another thing that he said. It was, it was almost like he was ministering to us. It was it was insane. It was crazy. But And I think you know some of the other, you know, the Houston community, and I know you asked how I helped, but the Houston community really came behind Ethan. Uh, it's just amazing. So the head of oncology at Texas Children's Hospital is from Puerto Rico. He was doing card tricks with Ethan, and Ethan learned card tricks. They became friends. They both found out they're big Astro fans. Well, it's Ricky. Uh, Ricky, what's Ricky's last name? I can't remember his last name. Um, it'll come to me as soon as we come off the phone. But Dr. Flores, yeah, Dr. Ricky Flores. He's also the president of the Carlos Correa Foundation. And Carlos Correa is the all-star shortstop for the Astros. Wow. So they arranged for Ethan. Yeah, they arranged for Ethan to be one of the Correa Hero of the Months, where he got to go down on the stadium floor during batting practice, uh, hang out with Carlos. And then once the Astros found out about Ethan, they kind of took him in, and he got to do speaking engagements at different fundraisers and has become good friends with Carlos. Even now, Carlos is off. I think he's at the Minnesota Twins now. I, the $380 million wasn't enough for Houston. He went for the $450 million, you know? My wife was talking about that the other day. Goes, what? They goes, really? Why do they do that? Anyway, that's a whole other subject, right? But, uh, yeah. but it's just the Houston, the, the, the Astros really took a, were a big part of that. And, and that was and, pretty and exciting for Ethan, that. wasn't it? Oh, gosh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and he never you would know, have got no, to do that. The, he would have never got to do that, probably, right. without right. going through what he went through. Uh, exactly. But but life continues to present more challenges to you, not only like, um, you know, if I remember right, like, so uh, about 19, 2020, that time frame, uh, you're going through this. When did you get a job? Like, when did when did you start working? Yeah. Yeah, nineteen. So I, I I said unemployed for about three months and then and then got on and uh, yeah. So that's that's been good. So so, so um, that was taken away uh, that 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 particular yeah. need. But then we had COVID, <laughs> so you had to walk through COVID the whole uh, and that yeah. I'm sure impacted your work world, didn't it? The the COVID just like it did everybody well, it, else. It did, but it did. But you know, there's some businesses that flourished, and the power sports industry was one that did. So anything like like if you sold uh, trampolines or you sold weights and things that you couldn't go do anymore. So motorcycle sales, four-wheeler sales, dirt bike, street bike, side-by-sides, personal watercraft, all that stuff got sold out, you know, for the next – it was it was a boom because people couldn't couldn't go do other things. They would like their vacations or their cruises and stuff. So they were going out and riding on the trails or on the streets or whatever they could do. So actually that industry – our industry – flourished during that time isn't that crazy yeah that well it is but you know you think about um all you've gone through already house flooded twice you've uh Mm -hmm. son diagnosed with leukemia you lose your job and you work through all that you see god provide and his providence is evidence in so many ways and then this year your wife starts Mm -hmm. experiencing some things related to a nerve disorder. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to be, put you on the spot here. When, Mm -hmm. when that happened, did you go back and think, you know, we've been here before God's took us or was your tendency to just go, why another thing? I'm really, and you and I haven't rehearsed this. I'm just asking you because I'm curious because you've gone through so much. What was your response 
when your your bride went through this stuff or as she's going through yeah so 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 just to kind of give you a little more detail on that uh her situation she's pretty much bedridden right now she has a like you said a nervous disorder it's called pots and that's an acronym p-o-t-s and basically stands for uh, there's a signal that's not getting sent to her blood vessels in her legs like when we stand up and our blood goes down to our legs and into our abdomen and in our arms there's a signal that gets sent to the blood vessels that says okay squeeze so the blood comes back to your heart mm-hmm. well that signal is not getting sent to her and so the the blood just stays down there in her legs doesn't come back so the heart starts racing really fast so the bottom line is when she's horizontal, like reclining or laying down, she's 100% fine. But when she gets vertical, mm-hmm. she's standing up, that um, her heart rate spikes by about 40 to 50 to 60 points within two to three minutes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so she has to, or else she faints. So, um, so anyway, we've there's no known cure for it. There's there's treatment and, and medicine that can help you manage it. Um, and sometimes it does. In rare cases, it ends up just curing itself, right? Um, and we're hoping and praying for that. But yeah, so what was my, first of all, it was misdiagnosed for about a month and a half. We finally found, figured it out what it was and then had a doctor confirm it. Saw a specialist here recently. Um, she's been amazing through it all. And you know, I've had some hot times that I've doubted, but um, yeah, I've wondered, you know, like, like why, you know, and, and I, I know why. Because I've I've given a message on one time on I, I gave a message to the motocross community like why did why did Ethan get leukemia well I know why so why does anything happen bad in this world because it's an imperfect world because sin is in this world it doesn't mean specifically her sin was so bad that she got this or his sin was so bad that he got that mm. it wasn't that but it was a it, there's a sin problem okay mm. and that but there's one that has overcome that sin and that death. And so the other night, my wife was convinced that she knows that this there's going to be some good that's going to come out of this. Yeah, we're hoping and praying, and we know that God can heal her in a second with his hand tied behind his back and his eyes closed. We know that. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what's going to happen in the meantime? What's going to happen if it's not? We're going to continue to honor him and glorify him, and we're going to show his grace and mercy through all this, through all this. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've already seen some amazing fruit from my sister, who's a great person, but uh, not a, not a believer, right? Not a believer, awesome person. Mm-hmm. And she, she, she. One of the things we could do with Jeanette is we could take her to the. We, my my sister helped arrange to where she'd go into the movie theater that has these recliners, yeah. and the manager let her go into the back door. Mm-hmm. And so we went and watched the movie Otto. Had a great time, and she could watch. She could recline. She could watch that whole movie. By the way. It's a pretty good movie, okay? So if you haven't seen Otto with Tom Hanks, it's pretty good. So we watched that, but here, here's the good news. Because we watched Otto with her a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. we then asked her, hey, Pam, let's do that again, but we want to wa- go watch Jesus the Revolution. Mm-hmm. She said, yeah, let's go watch that. So we won't watch that with her. And we're, you know, we don't need a movie to tell her the gospel, but it's just it just goes to show her more and more about the grace of God and the, and the, the great message and the gospel. Um, and so there's already good coming out of it and we just have to press on, you know, um, Doug, I don't know any other, we, we have joy. Yeah. Do we have days with last day? Yesterday wasn't a good day for my wife, you know, um, there was some struggles, but, um, but we're believing, uh, we know, we know that, that, uh, 
that God's grace and his provision, and he's got his arms wrapped around us. We know that. Yeah, it 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 is. But, you know, when you're, like you said, when you're going through it, you have good days and bad days. One of the things I shared this week at SWAT is uh, a good friend of mine. It's a pastor up in Dallas, and he and a guy wrote a book. Um, and I've had him on several times. And the, the name of the book is uh, Walking on Water When You Feel Like You're Drowning. And, uh, and, and, and it just deals with the whole issue of going through depression because Larry, his wife died. I'm going to talk about it next week. And, uh, his wife died right after giving birth to one of their children and, um, she had cancer as well, but she opted not for treatment because it would have really damaged the child or could have hurt the child. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so anyway, Mm -hmm. he said this. He said, sometimes you just wake up and you take the day God gave you and you just mm-hmm. work through it moment by mm-hmm. moment, day by day. Amen. Uh, and Amen. I've seen you do that. I've seen God mm-hmm. provide. I just sent uh, James um, Graham, who le- he, James takes care of our social media stuff. I just sent him a picture mm-hmm. of your house. <laughs> from ah, 2017 okay. uh, <laughs> oh I, I i i i was actually going back through the photos i'm going to send it to you too it and to, i hope he'll tweet it out because it's yeah. it's just mind-blowing when you look at it now and I, you know i was just going back through text uh threads where you and i were going back and forth mm. and even one of them about ethan and how Ethan was uh, really struggling with nausea. He was, and you said, mm-hmm. pr- just pray for him. And I was mm-hmm. grateful that you reached out. I was grateful that you shared the need mm-hmm. so we could mm-hmm. do it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm so thankful that God has continued to show his providence in your life. He's going to do that with Jeanette too. He's going to keep, Amen. and listen, God's providence, I shared this with the guys at SWAT, doesn't mean you won't experience pain. It doesn't mean you Mm -hmm. won't experience loss. It doesn't mean you won't experience tough times. But what it means is that God's providence will give you everything you need to do everything he wants you to do in this world. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Mm -hmm. if we can rest in that, then when Mm -hmm. we get disappointed because – our house gets flooded. Like, Larry, I can't even, like, I look at that picture. When you guys left, <laughs> if I remember, you evacuated a dry house. You evacuated a house. Yeah. Is that right? Isn't, isn't that right? Did I yeah. remember that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You left. You had no idea that was going to happen. And you come back the next day, and there's water literally almost up to the top of your door uh, to go in. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm just so grateful that through that all, you continued to cling to Jesus and he continued to show you his providence. And, um, I I'm thankful, you know, the Lord's our light and our salvation. And I love what David says in that Psalm. He says, the one thing I've asked is not that I'll have a dry house. It's not that I'll have a, a cancer free family. He says, I will seek after to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life mm-hmm. and to gaze upon his beauty. Mm-hmm. That is the driving force for us as believers. And if we lose sight of that, 
It's easy to let the world overcome us, but Jesus says, "No, I've overcome the world. You look to me." Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to preach, but uh, <laughs> I was just thinking about that. And uh, you know, our time is up, Larry. I'm so grateful. Any last words for somebody? Uh, we got about thirty seconds to somebody who might be yep. really struggling out there because of their circumstances. I don't know about anybody out there, but I know that me being on here today with you is what I needed today. Okay. So if, if there's nobody listening, it's been meaningful to me, but I know there is. So, uh, Doug, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, I love you, Larry. Hey, pray for Larry's wife, Jeanette, uh, continue to pray for his son, Ethan, pray for his ministry with FCA. And if you want to support him, you can go to FCA. Uh, MX. You can go to that website. Just go to Google.